We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome into 21 Questions, a podcast where we answer subscriber questions, maybe 21 of them, maybe 50 of them. Who knows? But 21 questions, good ballpark number. Uh, it's my it's my first time in a while being back on the 21 questions grind. And I'm here with Maddie Lane, who's been on the 21 questions grind. Maddie, and you've been on several grinds recently. You're tweeting out, you know, interior defensive line highlights during opening day, which I loved. Great brand. How are you doing today, Maddie? Opening day of what? It's called the Masters. I don't what are we talking about? Like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Opening day of the Masters is what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just trying to make sure we were on the same page here because I don't yeah, know what yeah. else opened today. Um, this is a pro peanut butter and jelly sandwich podcast. Um, that's not really gonna mean a lot to a lot of people out there. But you know, if you're if you're married, probably a guy, but you know, maybe women too. If you're married and your significant others out of town or you know, serious relationship, that significant others out of town, nine times out of ten, you're eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that night. Like, you know, we all know mm-hmm. that feeling. That's what Tucker was up to right as we got on this call. So you know, yeah. it is what it is. Pro peanut butter and jelly podcast. Don't know what opening day it is. Let's get to 21 questions before I talk too much and we have to only answer 18 of them. That's that's true. Uh, before we started this podcast, I had to restart the intro like three times because I had too much peanut butter on my peanut butter jelly sandwiches. But uh, neither nor there. Uh, Nick, this is first question is from him. In the recent mock draft, uh, there was a discussion about trading up, but none about trading down. What value slash return would you look at for look for at 30 after selecting Ojabo at 29. Maddie, this seems like a question perfectly curated for you. I'm not a fan of trading down, I don't think, um, especially in the Chiefs position for this draft class. I don't I don't love a lot of the positional like pockets that you're gonna see in round two at cornerback or edge, really. I think you're kind of on the outskirts of corner edge and probably wide receiver Uh, when you're sitting there at 29 and 30 like you're getting the last couple guys you hope at all those positions trading back from there doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me especially if you're just trying to pick up more day two capital when you already have four other picks on day two how many guys are you really going to fit on your team I get it if there's no one there that you want like I fully understand the concept but I don't know if I would want to chase doing that just because like I said I think there's a pretty big drop off after kind of where the Chiefs are going to pick at the positions that they're going to want. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want to trade for them and try to make it up on the second day. I'm with that as well. And we've seen some trends in the five years. Well, this will be the fifth year that Brett Beach drafts. But in the four years that Brett Beach has drafted, we've seen uh, him not ever trade down. We've seen him not take corners in the first round. Uh, do I think that those two things will change this year? 
Probably not. Maybe one more than the other. I think the corner has a bigger possibility of happening than trading down. Uh, but it's a, an interesting thing to think about with, with these selections coming up into uh, the draft. And don't forget, we'll be at the Kingdom Bar and Grill hanging out there. Maddie's going to be in town, too, so you got to make it out to the Kingdom Bar and Grill uh, where we're going to be doing the live draft show. All three days of the draft. I won't be there day three. I have a wedding to be in. Um, but uh, I'll be there day one, day two. We're going to be live streaming the whole time. Uh, so you, if you can't make it, if you're out of state, then you watch catch us on the stream. If you're in Kansas City, if you're in the area, please make it out to the Kingdom Bar and Grill. We're going to have drink specials. I believe there's even some specials in the draft guide. If you buy the draft guide, you get a little special. Um, I don't know. I've heard heard rumors, but um, I think that that's what, another reason you should buy the buy the draft guide. Um, but let's let's get into this other, next question here from Mike Denny. Who do you think the Raiders reach for? in the first round of the draft. I mean, it's an annual tradition unlike any other. You know, the Masters starting this week, a great tradition, and the Raiders reaching for somebody in the first round. Who specifically do they reach for? I don't know. I can see them drafting like, uh, wait, Maddie, what pick do they have? That's what I was researching. Um, the Raiders don't have a first round pick. So they, uh, to see them reach for a player in the first round would be phenomenal because they're going to be trading, <laughs> they're going to be trading, what, 2023 assets? maybe 2024 20, assets to get up there. I mean, their first pick is pick 86. Ooh. 86. So the only way they're touching the first round is uh, is a lot of capital. So, like, I hope they do it, and then I hope they go draft. Chad Muma. Oh, yeah, that'd be a great one. Do it. Yeah. That was the first. That was uh, – nothing gets Chad I like Chad Muma, though. Like, that's the thing is, like, I like him. But, like, I, I see that's a guy that they would draft in the first round. I don't know why. I just, like, see him as, like, I think the Raiders could pick him, like, at 18 overall. And that's oh, just seems, glorious. That just seems like a very uh, Raiders move to happen. Uh, next question we got here. Christian Gumminger, he asked, are you excited for Tyreek to bang the drum during the AFC divisional round? Uh, it's not like he'll be busy that weekend. Um, I believe this is a rhetorical question, but a very good question indeed. I, I think that would be a huge flex by the chiefs. Um, that would be hilarious. Obviously he would never do it, but I, I, I like the proposal. I think they should send out the invite, especially if people are reading into the situation correctly and think that he kind of wanted out. Maybe not everybody was meshing at that point in time. Like if that's the case, then yeah, send out the invite, even though he'll obviously turn it down. <laughs> I would just, oh, that's an awkward situation. Um, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't like that actually. Uh, I, I like to avoid awkward situations as much as possible. When you know, in the office, when Scott's Tots comes on, that episode immediately gets skipped. Too awkward for me to handle. Uh, Grayson Jasper's next question. He asked, "How many players currently on the roster are locked to make the team, Maddie?" Oh God, that requires me to have the roster up. In anybody, right? <laughs> anybody that knows anything about me that has followed us knows that I absolutely, positively don't prep for these Q and A shows whatsoever the dome All how off the many dome. people are on this roster right now how many do we think are gonna make it uh okay well you're gonna have 11 22 um we'll go ahead and double that 44 i say you got 44 guys that are a lot 40 guys that are a lot to make this roster right now so i'm giving you 13 extra players right now that are in flux and i'm not going to give any names that i this whole podcast doesn't need to be me reading off the depth chart to try to figure out what positions may be up for grabs. Um, so it, it's not a ton. I will say that. I think that there's yeah. definitely more openings than you would like for a team heading into the draft, but more so than being at depth, I think the chiefs have done an 
adequate job of adding depth through the draft and free agency the last couple of years, it's the starters. Like they have guys yeah. penciled in as starters that should be bench players, not rotational players, but bench players. Like that's where the issue that I see is. Yeah, that's that's kind of been the been, been the problem this offseason. Hey, you got you got to pencil in the six spots that uh you know Dave Tobe's gonna have for special teamers too. So you gotta you gotta pencil those spots in, um, and you know that those guys will be able to make the roster too. So Connor Christofferson he asked, "Do you have a read on how much seriously training for testing events help prospects? How much time is gained by seriously training for the forty, for example? I have no read on how much training." for that matter specifically. Um, I know there's a lot of guys at, at Northwest Missouri State, specifically good football program up there. I know it's not to the caliber of a lot of these D1 guys or or really even, you know, as you see, Power 5 schools. I mean, that they're a whole different breed of athletes. But I know th- these guys do specifically train. There, there's a guy um, right now at Northwest who's been training for the 40 to have a lower 40 time, and it has it has helped. I believe he's down to a 4-3, uh, high 4-3, but, I mean, a 4-3 is a 4-3. Um, and I think that that's helped a little bit. Now, how does that translate? I think is kind of another part of the question is like, how can you train? You can train to be really good at a 40. Like, how does that translate on the football field? I don't it's yet to see. Jury's still out on that one. Uh, what do you think about that, Maddie? I, I think it's it's a huge bonus. I think that's like you're starting to see like relative athletic scores trending upwards. You get all these different really good you know, training facilities that are taking these guys in, teaching them how to train properly, not for football all the time. A lot of times it is just for training. And then you'll talk yeah. to them afterwards in a private segment. Like, yeah, we work on nothing that relates to football during that combine time. Like specifically, everyone's going to go to the 40 time and that one's huge, but the the short shuttle just knowing how many steps to take and how to take them you're cutting off a ton of time just by knowing where how many steps you should take taking the right amount of steps in the short shuttle the vertical jump i could probably take anybody out here right now let them vertical jump their max and just by talking to them over the next five minutes i i myself could add three to four inches to your vertical jump just by some simple instructions and i'm not like even certified anymore my certification to be a personal trainer has expired as i no longer do it it's like it's there's plenty of benefit they can go into all that stuff i don't know if it translates to the field but i think you're just going to keep seeing more and more freak athletes coming out as long as these as long as the nfl is still going to value what those testing numbers are yeah I, I, that that's a great point you're going to see people try to try to i don't want to say fudge the numbers because you still have to be a good athlete to get the numbers right uh, they're going to inflate their numbers a little bit to try to get drafted higher uh and try to get these relative athletic scores which honestly relative athletic score hasn't seemed to lie yet um who would have thought you had to be a good athlete to play uh professional athletics yeah Yeah, and i would say you're not going to go from a four five athlete to a four three athlete just by learning how to run the 40 like there's obviously clear limitations but anybody that is in you know that is considered fast it is football fast nfl fast if you go train for the 40 time with somebody that knows what they're doing yeah you can shave off a good amount just by Mm -hmm. learning how to start when to get your head up, what to do. So like there's obvious improvement that can be made, but fast is fast. It doesn't matter what your technique is or how hard you work. Fast is fast, slow is slow. There's just varying degrees of both of those, I guess. Yeah. Anti-law lawyer, the next question he asked, we are approaching Veach's fifth draft as general manager, the same number that John Dorsey conducted for the Chiefs. It's a fun fact. If we were to give them 50-50 credit for drafting Mahomes, which one had the superior tenure? I assume this is draft only. You only have to con- only the draft you get to consider, Maddie. Which one do you think had a, had a better track record? I think it. I mean, it has to be Dorsey. But the unfair part of that is at the end of Dorsey's five years, 
what did Tyreek Hill look like? What did Travis Kelsey look like compared to what they look like now, right? Like some of these guys, we have seen them fully develop now versus we haven't seen a lot of Veach's draft picks fully develop where they're going to go. I will say though, I think you have to give the edge to Dorsey because his hits not only are incredibly high, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Eric Fisher even, like these guys are Chris Jones. These guys are big, huge home run hits and they play positions that matter. Like even if you want to put Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, Trey Smith, even Juan Thornhill, you want to put all these guys to even that same level, look at the positions they play instead. There's a big going to be a big gap there and just the importance to your team, I think. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are two draft picks that are hard. Like that, that those tip the scale pretty much, pretty, pretty large. I don't care how much weight, like you said, Matty, you put into uh, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. Been great productive players in their first few season. Great, great picks, great value picks. Um, maybe not the the traditional positional value that we would expect, but hey, uh, Eric Fisher, that was a pick I was thinking of. People hated that pick. Remember when that came out? People hated that pick. Hindsight, no. Pretty darn good pick for that 2013 draft. That 2013 draft was garbage. It was so bad. I look back at that every now and again and think, I, I don't know how the Chiefs got away with, you know, with, with what they did with Eric Fisher because I, I can tell you the guy who got drafted after, but I don't think it wasn't any. I don't think it Luke turned out to be nobody. Luke Jokel is who a lot of right. people thought the uh, Chiefs were going to take. But, but yeah, people were mad. Eric Fisher played, I mean, what, eight years for the Chiefs and seven of them were the starting yep. left tackle. At least yep. five of them, he was above average. Like, you're going to knock getting an above average starting left tackle out of a draft. Like, I don't know that that's a, that's a good pick. And like, I get it. It was first overall, but yeah, I just Dorsey went for home run swings. He missed a lot doing so. He also hit some, but he also did it at positions that impact the game a ton. His style of drafting, I think is just always going to come out on top unless Veach is, you know, hitting 90% of his picks and he just hasn't been at that level right now. Right. Right. Another draft question we got here from C drift 24. If he falls to 30, is it smart for a team like the Chiefs to select Ojabo? A lot of Ojabo questions. In the first round, to have an extra year of player control on a rookie deal since he will most likely not play this upcoming year. Maddie, you and I in the DMs have had a lot of discussions about edge rushers, and Ojabo seems like one of those guys that maybe in my mind I kind of like pencil him like, oh, you can take him because he'll be there, and maybe he doesn't fall to 30. Maybe a team picks him before then. But but what do you think about selecting him at 30 keeping him on that rookie deal and, and kind of like red shirting him, so to speak. I, I think it's smart. Uh, the Chiefs have a chance to take him at 30 or 29. I would not sit around and wait and hope he gets there at 50. Give me the extra year because he is going to miss a year. So give me the yeah. extra year of the control on a cheap contract, especially for a guy that's going to need some time to develop. Um, I, I feel like I've talked about him quite a bit. So like, where do you, where do you stand on Jopo? You know, a lot of people that listen to us have heard me talk about him plenty of times. So yeah. where are you at with him right now? So I think it is. I think it is a good a good idea to get a guy like that. I, I think that you know he did kind of get overshadowed I think, a little bit by Aiden Hutchinson just being on the same defensive line as him. And Hutchinson's a, a beast, so it's hard not to like watch him. Uh, so it's just like one of those things where where a guy who's who's also really good on the same defensive line is kind of gets overshadowed. I like him. I think he is a fun player. I think he is he is good. Uh, the my only hesitation is waste. I don't want to say wasting. I don't I don't think it's a waste of a first round pick, but you're going to use a first round pick on a guy that's not going to play right away. And usually with first round picks, you'd love to see them on the field and make 
making a significant impact right away, especially with two first round picks. Imagine if the Chiefs could get two players that could impact the game right away. That would be huge. That'd be that'd be massive. And I'd really love to see that. That's my only hesitation because I do like him as a player. It is really unfortunate what happened him tearing his Achilles and the pro day. And there was a lot of stuff going on around that or on social media. There was a guy just like grabbed the ball and just like kept going with the drills. And they like, it was like so dehumanizing for, for people watching that. And I think that it's, it's a weird spot to be in, but yeah, that's, I, I like him. I do, but do I like him to the point where I want the chiefs to spend a first round pick where they could get a guy who could potentially contribute right away? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm taking the risk because I'm chasing, I've seen enough of not high-end pass rushers for the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. for a while. And I was like, I'm chasing it, and maybe it's an over an overcorrection, but like I, I'm taking that risk because if he's healthy, he's going in the top 15 of this draft. Like you're right. talking about him as maybe being edge three, which is going to be a potentially a top five pick. It, it, you know that injury, I think 20 spot drop is completely fine. Like go ahead and take that swing there. But I, I get it. I get the hesitation. Just you have two first round picks for a reason. Make them make them work. Michigan defense, so we'll talk about that. I mean, I'm talking about uh, you got Dax Hill, you got uh, Hutchinson, you got a Jabo on there, uh, Brad Hawkins, even a little bit. Man, that dude messed around and get in there. It's fun defense. Um, just DRK GMs say that they're looking two to three years into the future as well as tomorrow. With that in mind, what drafts investments make the most sense with the Chiefs this season, knowing they're going to have 75 mil or so next offseason? Okay, this is a loaded question. Um, it is. Right, so I, I'm trying to process through it. Okay, I think the Chiefs might have more than that. I would be a little surprised if Chris Jones plays at a cap hit of $27 million next year because yes. the Chiefs will have the leverage next year. I mean, obviously, he can sit there and say he wants more money, but the Chiefs will have the leverage because there's not near as much dead cap hit, yada, yada, yada. So they could even have more, whether they restructure him or try to trade him. Uh, what big contracts will be up next year for them? I don't think anybody's going to get a ton of money next year. I mean, not that I know of off the top of my head. It's like, they're going to have a lot. That's where you can start making free agency splashes. So that's when I've kind of gone back to the whole process this offseason. The Chiefs shouldn't throw away useless money this year by taking on James Bradbury's $13.5 million contract. Right. He's not going to be worth that. Save that money and roll it over to next year. Because, I mean, look at your team this year. Look around the AFC. Look at the NFL. It might be a tough pill to swallow, but your best shot to win the Super Bowl is a shootout in which your quarterback takes you there. There's no reason to spend $13.5 million on Bradbury when he doesn't change that equation at all. Roll money over. Go buy a stud or two next year in free agency. Go spend big next year. It doesn't have to be this year. So like with that in mind, just draft value at positions that matter. You need to get a receiver or an edge or a corner, preferably one of at least two of those guys in this draft class that you think can help you right now. That way next year you're trying to fill in studs around those guys and not only build, you know, the core of your defense through free agency, kind of like they had to do in 2019. Yeah. And looking at the question and what draft investments make the most sense with the Chiefs this season, I think you have to you do have to think long term in this, obviously, of thinking, all right, what are some of the positions that the league values? I, we know that maybe maybe we have different valuations of what position groups matter uh, than what Brett Veach does. But traditionally, you know, wide receivers, that's that's a big group that, that seems to matter. There's a lot of good talent out there. Wide receiver. Now I'd love to see the Chiefs invest in that and really make a lot of draft investment, use a lot of 
maybe draft capital. I, I'd like to see young wide receivers. I do want to see a, a, a kind of a younger group than, than what we've seen in years past wide receivers. So that's kind of the, the investment that I think in, in that defensive back room too. I mean, <laughs> you start to think about the investments that, that the, that the chiefs have made, they've had a high return on investment and they haven't invested a whole lot and they've got a high returns and that's exactly what you want. That's not going to last forever though. Like that's that, that tree's going to run out eventually. So I think that you do, if you want to, you want a sure thing at, at defensive back, you want to, uh, whether it's safety or corner. Um, when we start looking at it, we're looking at it that way. I think you've got to be able to invest in this, in the, those position groups and in, in this draft. And I think those are kind of the two most important positions. I see them right now. I think they're pretty set. Um, on the offensive line, really for the most part, they could they could invest in another tackle. I, I think another tackle could do them good, um, especially a young guy that can can play right tackle, not necessarily play right away because Andrew Wiley's there. Andrew Wiley's a, 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 a fine right tackle. People give him too much hate, in my opinion. I like Andrew Wiley. I'm pro Andrew Wiley, um, and I think along like they they've invested in the linebackers, which haven't traditionally been proven to be valuable in this day and age in the NFL. Um, and they've invested in that position. I think that those are really the two that they have. I mean, running back that they invested in, uh, they have a first round pick there. Uh, so I think that that's, that's kind of the two spots that I would really like to see them get, get younger and, and, and invest in, in better talent there through the draft. So, um, and then you, you're right. They're going to have a lot of space next season and they can make, they can make some moves there and kind of, almost enhance what they get. I'd like to think of what it, what it would be, but I, they're going to have a lot of space. And I think that's exciting. Um, love to see, love to see some Brett Beach with a wide open wallet and see what he can maneuver there. So Ross Sawyer, the next question he asked is where is the talent sweet spots in this draft, especially help for the wide receiver and defensive back groups. Um, Maddie, what do you think about that? Top 50. Um, I, this class has kind of been, I've seen some people say it's deep and I don't necessarily think so too much. I mean, like maybe we're talking like, yeah, your guys that you're going to get on day three aren't that far away from guys you'll get late day two. So maybe I would agree with that, but I think there's a pretty stark drop off once you get side of that outside of that, like top 50 ish range, maybe even a little bit less, especially at those two positions. When I look at mock drafts or through the rankings, like I struggle to slot in guys at wide receiver or corner that I think either a have a, a high floor and a moderate ceiling. So like, you know, they're going to become a quality starter and they can do it right away or guys that have a super high ceiling, but that aren't just complete boomer bust. Like they could be absolutely nothing for the first two year or two before they get there. And that kind of goes for corner and receiver. It gets so scheme specific at that point in time too, that you're looking for a guy that does one thing. Well, instead of multiple things, it's like, I, I, that's why I'm not big on the chiefs trying to move out of those, like those for their first three picks, I think are going to be huge. You can move around in those if you want to, but I would really like to see them keep at least two picks in the top 50, hopefully three. And if it's only two, hopefully it's a big trade up to get somebody that's like a top, you know, 15 type player from the class. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, I don't want to call them top heavy either because I do think there are some good round two, round three guys, especially wide receivers in this draft. Quarterback class might be a little bit more top heavy. Um, Derek Singh's pro day was really good. Um, I was pretty impressed by it. I know that that's kind of off topic, but um, I was I was pretty impressed by it. Um, I I also think that last year's receiver class was better than this year's receiver class. Is that is that crazy for me to say? No, I don't think so. They're just so this this year's thing that it has going for it, the receiver groups is a lot of big X receivers, mm. and I don't think that's been true these past few years. Like there's been a guy or two, but then it's been a lot of people like, oh, I don't know if he's 
he can't separate. How will it play out? I think this year you have right. a handful of big receivers that should go in the top 50 that you feel comfortable will make it work. But I'm with you overall. I think last year's wide receiver group and then 2019 or 2020s and maybe 2019s, they all have more guys you felt more confident become wide receiver ones. This year seems like a lot of complimentary guys, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to find out. Um, another wide receiver question in this draft. Uh, what's up, Doc? Asked uh, why the lack of love in the media for George Pickens. Y'all are saying he should be gone by the time the Chiefs pick, but few, if any, have him mocked in the first round. I think this is a really good question. I like George Pickens a lot. He's another fun guy to watch on film. You watch him, and you're like, dang, this, this dude's awesome. I think it has something to do with injuries, probably the, the ACL. and He was an ACL, right? And he came back from fa- fa- yep. fairly quickly. Um it happened in spring ball and he came back and played in the national championship, which was absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Insane. He played like the last two games of the regular season too, for them or something, yeah. not much, but like he got out there wild. But I think that that might be the hesitation with media. I don't know. What do you think, Maddie? Yeah, it's that. And then, you know, you look at him and he's a big receiver that is not necessarily fast. So he doesn't always separate. There's, he was dealing with some injuries, I think last year in 2021 as well, or 2020 as well. Nothing significant, just other little dinged up injuries. There's some, he's been ejected from some games for being essentially too physical, you know, being too competitive to where he's got, he crossed the line. But like, I think you combine all those things with the, you know, the narrative of he's big and can't separate. He's just a jump ball guy. And I think you get some people being a little bit more hesitant, but he follows the same rule of thumb as Derek Stingley. He, if you were 18 years old and dominated the SEC, then I mean, you know, who cares what happened the next two years if you're ready to go play right now? George Pickens did that as a freshman for Georgia. Derek Stingley did it at cornerback for LSU. I, I don't care what happened in those two years after that. Like I'm drafting him essentially on that freshman film. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. He's, 
I don't know. I really like George Pickens. I do. Um, Andy Nagel, he asked, does Fortson have the ability to develop into a number one tight end, or does Casey need to look in the draft for Kelsey's eventual replacement? Are there any tight ends in the draft who have physical makeup slash skill sets to potentially develop close to Kelsey? Uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, I love that dude so much. Um, (laughs) He is very good, and he's fun to watch play football. In person, seeing him in person and play football is, is a different experience than watching him on film. Um, and I, I, that's what I like about him. Uh, does Fortson have the ability to develop into a number one tight end? I mean, maybe, but I don't think that like, that's what I think he's better as a complimentary player. If that makes sense. I think that he, he can thrive better, not in that number one tight end role. Listen, we haven't seen him play a whole lot. Right. So like, this is all just like me going off of the three games that he played well in. Was it three games? Something like that. It wasn't very much. Yeah, is like he played well in those games, but like if he doesn't have to shoulder the load, I like that a whole lot better than if he had to shoulder the whole load. Uh, there are some good tight ends in this draft. I, I do think that there are some good ones. Eventual Kelsey replacements is hard to say because I think that the Kelsey, um, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't, you can't replace Kelsey. Like you, just like you can't replace Terry Kill, you can't replace Travis Kelsey. Um, it's going to be a, a by committee type thing. Um, in the same way that you replace uh, Tyreek. What do you think, Maddie? Do you think that they, they go tied in in this draft, or, or what do you think? Well, after you guys listen to this, you should hop on over to the kcsn.substack.com. Uh, I wrote a little bit about this exact thing um, today as you guys are listening to this uh, on Friday here is because uh, I think it's one of those surprise positions the Chiefs could look at. As a direct Kelsey replacement, he's, he won't be as good. He will not be as good as Travis Kelsey, but I think Greg Dulcich out of UCLA, I've talked about him a couple times, he's yeah. got the best makeup to be Travis Kelsey-like going forward. You know, he's more of a split tight end, more of a split wide, you know, playing in the slot, but he's willing to block. He's capable of doing it. Um, but he has the ability to run routes to all three levels. And I think that's what separates him from Jelani Woods, who I also like, from a Cole Mc, or a Trey McBride, Jeremy Rucker. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Dulcich shows the best ability to run routes to all three levels and then break inside outside streak down the field um so that's where i would go if you're looking for that as for jody fortson like i get that we like him and he does some promising stuff he's going to be 27 this year and have only played two years of tight end in the nfl like we're whole and he's played like one game where he didn't get tight end four snaps and that was because blake bell was injured like again we like the player we like the flashes he showed but like right now, he's on the track to maybe being a tight end three, let alone a good tight end two or a tight end one. So like, keep him on the roster, use him, but I don't think you can rely on him to be much more than that at 27 years old. Zach Eisen, he asked us, who have been the biggest risers and fallers since the since the end of the season in this year's draft, Maddie? Boy, Mafe has been the biggest riser. He's had probably the best process, you know, as anybody essentially. Him and Trevon Walker, I guess. Uh, but Walker, I think, was starting to get some of that hype beforehand, and he didn't have the senior bowl. So, like, including the senior bowl, boy, Mafe. Devontae Wyatt, I think, has gotten a lot of a lot of good hype, getting him out of that Georgia shadow of Jordan Davis and letting him dominate at the senior bowl a little bit. So those two guys, I think, rose quite a bit because of the senior bowl, because of the combine. Fallers, Justin Ross. Didn't, didn't test as well as we were hoping. The, there's going to be medical concerns there with him. So I think that's probably the biggest faller as of right now. I'm trying to think, really the only way to fall during the offseason is to test poorly. And I don't know if anybody else tested that poorly that they should drop off. Oh, Roger McCreary's tiny arms. Like there's another one. Like just yep. the NFL will not respect that. 
I threw this out to you guys. I don't remember. I, it was either before a lab or after a lab that there might be somebody new measuring arms with the combine because there was such a big discrepancy between the the senior bowl and the and the uh, the combine, which I, I don't think is that weird of a take because there's somebody new measuring the uh, the forties uh, timing for forties. So I think that you know it's a it's a big possibility that that could be that could be an issue if you look at some of those guys from the senior bowl that ended up having short arms at the combine. Um, that's, that's gonna be so I was gonna say George Carl office. Uh, he ran like a four, seven. I don't think that people really loved that about him, but I don't think that he was maybe in my eyes. I don't think he was very high, um, already to begin with. So, uh, next question here, this is from Leighton 44. What is the best and worst case scenario for you in the first round? Um, I got to think uh, worst case scenario. I'm going to start with that one. I, I think it, it's going to be probably like a linebacker, right? I think that would be pretty darn bad. I mean, but like you could talk me into Nicobe Dean, I think. Um, I think I could be, I think I could be persuaded into Nicobe Dean, but like a Chad Muma. This is the second time I brought up Chad Muma. You but don't like, like Chad Muma, huh? Not in the first round. I don't <laughs> like Chad Muma. Um, him. And then I think if you pair it with like, is the only reason I say this because uh, maybe if it's like a, a Deo Oda, right? Deo Oda Mingmo. I started thinking about uh, the dude from Vanderbilt last year. Yeah, um, you did. I that's that's who it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're giving me a you're giving me a Vanderbilt defensive yeah. lineman from last year right now who tore his Achilles. Yeah, at the and end of the now year, played for the Colts. Yeah, yeah I, I liked him last year too. That was weird. My brain just immediately went to him. I'm definitely meant to say uh, um, Ojabo is who I meant to say. Um, odd. So I think if you pair like a, a low uh, valued position like linebacker with Ojabo, who won't play the first year, that would be. I don't. I hate calling it the worst case scenario, but like that's like that's tough for me. Uh, that's really tough for me to swallow. If is, maybe if they drafted a running back too. Oh, if they drafted a running back and a linebacker the first round, I might scream. Uh, but best case scenario, double edge rusher. That's best case. Okay. Um, bad worst case scenario. Uh, Peter Schrager's mock draft that he released <laughs> yesterday morning. Um, the Chiefs taking a less valued position like interior defensive lineman and Devontae mm-hmm. Wyatt, who I think I know everybody loves him. Uh, to me, I think, he, and I just mentioned him as a, as a riser, but like I think he's a little bit lower ceiling than people are giving him credit for, especially because he's an older player. Um, so he can come in and play right away, but as an older player, I don't know how good he ever gets. And then I don't, I think you're seeing it around the NFL unless you have Aaron Donald. Don't build your off your defensive line around three techs. Don't do it. Don't build it around the interior defensive lineman. It's just not, it doesn't win in the NFL unless you have Aaron Donald. So don't do that. Don't draft him in the first round. But to make it worse, please don't trade your very next pick and trade back out of the first round and take no valuable positions in round one. Like unless a team is giving you two picks in the top 50 to do that, don't do it. Cause like you're just sacrificing valuable picks for valuable assets early in a draft. When your defense desperately needs star players, you drafted a high floor, but moderate ceiling defensive tackle. And then you're just like, okay, now we're not going to chase high ceilings as much anymore. Cause we're getting out of here. Like that would be the worst case. Best case scenario, yeah, double edge rushers. George Pickens falling to pick 29, like him being available then. Um, maybe. Okay, no, best, best case scenario that I could see possible. George Pickens falls and Andrew Booth Jr. falls, and the Chiefs take both of them. Two guys that maybe have wor- yeah. working through some injury stuff over the past year. They get both of those guys at the end of the first round without having to trade it up. That'd probably be my best case scenario you could get. 
I just was looking ahead on these questions. We might bring that. I might just move this question up to the front just because of the, the response you just gave. But who is one player that you've seen national media mock to the Chiefs that makes you question that writer's existence? Uh, so I don't question Devontae Wyatt specifically going to the Chiefs. I think there's a lot of smoke for an interior defensive lineman. It's just I really despise it being one him over a Winfrey or a Travis Jones, who I think mm, just have the ability yeah. to be better down the future. But I, it's the trading back after doing that that really kills me. If you take a Jabo and Wyatt in round one, fine. I don't love it, but I'm cool with it because I get it. So at, at the player, I'm not aboard the Jahan Dotson. Hive, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans and a lot of people are. I don't get the Dotson thing. I think he's a slot-only receiver that's really tiny. Physicality really throws him around, so I think he's going to be limited to the slot, and I don't think he really wants to go over the middle of the field with that frame. So, like, I, I get how he's a quality player. He just, to me, screams middle of round two, late round two, because he's, like, he's he's Devonta Smith, but not near as good at any of the same stuff. And like at that size and without being as good, just where can you go in the NFL like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, Nick Deal, he asked, with all the big talk this offseason around wide receiver extensions, what are the chances of Harbin being extended and he extended here as he stands today? And what do you think his mark is like? Do you think people outside of KC look at him more favorably than some Chiefs fans do? Yes, I do think people look at McCall Hartman more favorably than uh, than Chiefs fans do. Do I think he gets extended by Kansas City? No, I don't. Not not as of today. Maybe he has a really good season next year and kind of forces the Chiefs hand a little bit. And do I think he'll get paid? I do think he'll get paid by a team, but I don't think it'll be Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if I have a lot more to add. Um, I, I I think fans from other teams think that he has he they like him more than Chiefs fans do maybe mm. I don't know if the NFL does um just watching right. how defenses play him and not respect his literal game-breaking speed that much not really worry about him too often I don't I don't know if teams do um I I would be shocked if he is in Kansas City on anything other than a one-year relatively cheap deal in 2023 if he his free if his what he wants in free agency isn't there and he comes back to try to also continue to be that same general role or whatever he does this year, I get it. I would be kind of surprised if they extend him though. Like that that one would floor me a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, here we go. This one's from Fish. In honor of the draft guide rankings, how far would you be willing to trade up for Pickens in round one? Lots of Pickens questions today. Packers fans and Chiefs fans, per usual, on the same page when it comes to draft prospects like their teams usually are. Um, I wouldn't trade up. I would not trade anything more than the polls comp pick at the end of round three to go get a wide receiver. I would feel even more comfortable just moving up. Like If Green Bay passes on Pickens with their early pick and then you're just trying to jump them at 28, then okay, fine. But much more than that, I'm I'm not on board. I I would rather just sit there because... And the way that my mind works is if London's gone and Pickens is gone and Traylon Burks is gone, that's all your big receivers. Likely you're either going to get an Olave, you're going to get Garrett Wilson somehow falls, Jamison Williams falls, or if they're all gone too, there's going to be an edge or a corner that falls. Like the value, the amount of names that can go in front of the Chiefs to where they have to trade up to get a receiver just doesn't add up to me right now. So I, I'm not a fan of trading up for any wide receiver unless it's specifically just to jump Green Bay at 28 or wherever, 27, wherever they pick there. 
Yeah, I was just doing a little bit of math, um, little uh, mental calculations. I was looking at the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, you know. Um, that comp pick plus, I think I did the Dolphins pick at 29 is what I did. Um, add it together, it'll get you like 23, um, which is about as high as I'd be willing to go to. I don't think that they want to go. I don't think they would need to go top 15. I don't think that they'd even need to go top 20. Uh, to get a guy that they want. I think 23 is probably that sweet spot right there. They can obviously package other draft picks that they have. I don't want to see them spend a bunch of future draft capital, though, for a wide receiver. Uh, you know, we've had this conversation multiple times, but uh, that's about the highest that I would want to go. If, if like, if he's still there, I think that's the same thing. I think Jameson Williams, right? If Jameson Williams is still there at 23, I think that's a trade you got to really be thinking about making. Um, and, you know, Pickens is one of those guys, too. Uh, Just DRK asked, how tall is Craig? Craig is um, very tall. Um, I'm trying to think like the best way to put it in words. Like I have yet to meet somebody in person who hasn't had to look up to Craig, both mm. as a person, but then also because of how tall he is. That's listen. That's true. That is incredibly true. I'm trying to scroll through the the uh, Discord right now. I'm trying to find the next question we got here. Oh, I got uh. I got a good road. I got two good ones here. Mike Denny. You toss on a three-button polo. How many buttons are you doing? Oh, that's a good question. At least I think I think I only do one. Like I think uh, I let it breathe. I got to, got to do the bottom one because I think if you don't have one button, it looks a little sloppy. But like you can have the top two unbuttoned, right? Is it um, undershirt or no undershirt? No undershirt. No, I'm right. not an undershirt guy. When's the last time you put on a polo, dude? It's been a <laughs> while. But, Oh, actually, no. It's the golf course in Vegas. This is the last time I put on a polo. It's literally when I go on a, when I go into a golf course, I put on a polo. That's it. That's I own it. one polo shirt, um, and it's one that I got from Macadoodles, and I wore it. That's on right, Patty's Day. That was <laughs> it. Um, I so like I, I have zero buttons on that because like I don't have one. Um, mm -hmm. if I if I were to wear one to go golf, I'm I'm probably doing one or two buttons because of how tight it fits. We have another follow up from Justy Arquette. You toss on a seven-button short-sleeve shirt. It's 85 degrees out. How many buttons are you now going with? Seven buttons. Um, I'm probably I'm probably doing about four. Or I do this move right here. Hear you me stop. out. Uh, you, you go four, so you got like mid midriff. Is that what they call it? Midriff? Um, or you just go one in the middle to keep it together um it's like that's like if i'm at the beach you know if i'm at if i'm at the ocean if the ocean breeze is coming in that's how i do i just do one to keep it together if it's if we're in kansas city i gotta kind of you know polish up a little bit i, I do a three a three open up top that's what i go with yeah I, I think i'm about the same it depends on what i'm doing right like if right, i'm yep. going out to like go get dinner yeah like we're we're talking probably three undone at the top um would be my guess i, I mean i don't know how what my short sleeve button up shirt. I don't know how many buttons they have, but like three open up top sounds about right. Um, but if I'm going anywhere informal, like um, like to the beach or walking around outside in a short sleeve button up for some reason, like we're we're going hard, no buttons. Like we're just loose. We're just loose. We're we're nips out, belly button showing oh, the whole the whole shebang. Absolutely. Um, here here's a, a question to kind of get us back on the Chiefs Chiefs path. This is from Andy Nagel. Is there a practice squad futures guy from last season you could see making a contribution this season? And Maddie, a follow-up question. Am I crazy for thinking Cornell Bell? Um, no, you're not crazy. I think that is a a quality 
um guess because i don't have a better one necessarily in mind i'm quickly going back to the roster to the roster because i have to pull it back up now um oh look they have darius stills on the team interesting Mm -hmm. um Okay, Cortez Broughton, um, defensive lineman. He came he came out of Maryland. I forget where he was with the Chiefs before the Chiefs, um, maybe with the Chargers or something. Only played a couple games. I liked him coming out of Maryland. A lot of effort, an effort guy on the interior. Chiefs got to replace like 700 snaps from Jaron Reed. I know Taylor Stallworth helps that. Derek Nottie being healthy helps that. Maybe Colin Saunders gets more run, but they got to replace a lot of snaps along the defensive line right now. So I'm just picking him right now because I think that's where they've lost the most snaps. They haven't replenished. Did Derek Nutty resign, right? That happened. Your deal. Um, okay. So hopefully he plays more this year. Like that's, that's the thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I just couldn't remember if I made that up in my head or if that actually happened. Um, <laughs> Cause that sometimes does happen. Uh, Bo 2,500. He asked cornerbacks. There's more of a question. I just wanted to say that part. Uh, legit free agency bid on the garbage pile that is left or draft two and hope for the best. Here's what you draft two, but then you also sign Stephon Gilmore. So draft two. What are you paying Gilmore? If that's the route you're going to, how, what is your oh, ceiling gosh. on what you're going to pay Gilmore? Like your that's absolute a, hard out that you say, okay. nope. That's a good question. Um, I'm not very good at, at APY or like markets in general or just money in general. Um, I think that like you could get away with like, I just said like too much there. Uh, maybe 10 mil is 10 mil too much. Ooh, you're coming close to his asking price. Man of the people. Look at you. Being agent. Um, okay. I am in, I think eight is where I walk away and that's okay. quite a bit lower than what he wants. I mean, that's like I don't know what three fourths of what he's trying to ask for. Like I I'm giving him two thirds of what he's trying to ask for. Like he's, I think he's asking for 12 to 13. I'm, I'm hard out at eight. I'm not going mm-hmm. above eight, but I'm probably starting at like five with incentives to eight, maybe six. I'm going to hardball. And I think that's what Veach would do too. He's big on these incentive deals for these one year veteran guys. So like, that's the way I think the chiefs would be trying to go. That's the way I'd go with it. I'm not giving him above eight though. Cause like I said earlier, I don't want to not roll over money in the next year that is going that isn't going to move the needle. And I think Stefan Gilmore's your best option to add at a corner, even over trading for James Bradbury. Yeah. I just don't know how much of the needle he's going to move. So like get it with incentives so he doesn't automatically eat into your cap if he doesn't turn out like and just I'm not going over eight. That's fair. And I think that for like you're paying for a name at that point with Stefan Gilmore, right? I think it's at some point you're paying for the brand. Um it happens it happens a lot of places, but um uh rudy asked this uh which of the following position groups should the chiefs realistically double dip in for the following draft quarterback edge wide receiver all of them it's i don't think that's crazy for me to say they should double dip in all of them i know it's not very common to double dip in the draft um but i think they should i think they should double dip in, in absolutely all of them i would say edge is the most prominent one they should get two guys in because the cornerback room is probably the most bare, but the Chiefs always have a pretty bare cornerback room. Like it's never that good at the top end or that deep. Defensive end is an area that I think they need top end talent and some depth to make it work. So like I would say, and there's not a lot of free agents left at defensive end. They've done enough at the wide receiver spot that I think they might be able to get away with only one early draft pick and then hoping some of these other guys turn out. So like a defensive end first of those of that group. Yeah, I'm with you here. 
Um, okay, let's see here. I did the same thing where I accidentally scrolled to the top of the page and I and I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but what but what I'm going to ask you is uh, do you think Casey goes into draft day with both 29 and 30 overall, Maddie? Goes in the draft day with yes. Um, I think they want two first round picks. I don't think that I think they're looking around to see what they can trade for with using one or hopefully not two, but at least one of those and some picks. But unless a deal is like just a home run for them, I think they really do want two first round picks as the draft gets going. I think they want to make two first round picks, but mm -hmm. if something comes up where they need to trade around and only end up making one, they will, but they want to go into it with those two picks. I'm convincing myself that they're going to get rid of them and not have them, but I want them to have them. That's kind of the way that that I've, I'm, I'm working here. Uh, Rugby Fox asks a fun one, out of the box, but humor me. Would you sign Tyron on a one-year prove-it deal to play slot corner and push Snead outside? Would I do that? Yeah, would he? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, think, I think that's kind of kind of the answer there. Um. I would sign him on a one-year deal. I, I The last time Tyron played slot corner, he, his his age showed a little bit. He looked like he lost a step, so I didn't, I didn't love it. Um, I would rather just have him play safety and figure it out from there. But getting a mm -hmm. real slot corner to move Snead outside or bringing back uh, Tyron Matthew on a one-year deal, then yeah, let, let's, let's go. Um, all right, Tuck, pick one more question out of this group. And then I got to get out of here, guys. I'm doing a film room right after it's this. True. So I think it's we're true. right around 21 questions. I'm going to let Tuck pick one more but if he can't find it i mean i, I think i got one actually no i got it. i got it picked out and i knew this was going to be the last one okay. this is for you what's your plan to get tucker to quit drinking the hard seltzers and drinking good alcohol that's from tucker's burner account okay so number one that's the question i was going to pick too number two i'm never going to have tucker stop drinking hard seltzers hard seltzers Bingo. are delicious guys like i i don't know if you haven't heard this story like i was in miami when the chiefs won the super bowl Maddie had a lot of hard seltzers <laughs> during the Super Bowl <laughs> that year. They resulted in him running through the parking lot for a little bit, yelling on the phone to Kent and Craig about what had just happened. So, like, I I will never tell someone not to drink a hard seltzer. It's a great, especially if it's getting hot out. Ooh, mm. Like, I, I love me some good, you know, liquor, but a hard seltzer hits right when it starts to get warm out. Does indeed. After we get off with this call, Maddie's going to go do a film room. I am going to go chuck a hard seltzer and put it on TikTok. So hey, that's just the life that we live. Maddie, thank you for joining me for this 21 questions. Thank you to everybody who asked questions. We probably answered more than 21, I think. I don't know. I wasn't counting, but uh, make sure to drop those questions into the Discord. If you want access to the Discord, subscribe to the KCSN uh, Substack. You get access to the KCSN Discord. Also, you want access to it, you can go buy the KCSN Draft Guide. It gives you six months. There's a couple options you can get to buying the uh, KCSN Draft Guide. You got gum.co slash KCSN22. Uh, you can go check that out. Uh, that was off the dome, too, so you guys better be, uh, better be stoked on that. So uh, that'll do it for us. We will catch you guys again next week with 21 questions. See you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.